Cool. Well, welcome back to NZMTB Sharing the Stoke. Uh, I'm Jamie from New Zealand Mountain Biking, and today we have uh, Matt Miller, who is from Rotorua as well. Not always, but we'll get into that. Um, Matt is most well known these days for being the MTB PhD. He did his PhD on a very important topic to do with mountain biking and has designed something really cool which helps riders improve their riding um yeah and keep yeah actually get some data that's super super use, useful um really good feedback so we're going to dive into a bit of that and how he's involved in the mountain bike scene and um maybe what's on the horizon for what's next but just as a reminder that along with this podcast new zealand mountain biking offers tours throughout the country uh, lessons as well where we're based here in Rotorua, New Zealand's mountain biking capital. And the best way that you can support this content is to share it, book a ride with us. Um, and don't forget to follow uh, this podcast, turn on the notifications and give us an epic rating, like five stars. Uh, and if you do have anyone or anything that you want us to talk about, then let us know in the Q&A. Uh, I had some pretty good requests thus far and my list just keeps on growing. So let it keep growing. But anyway, let's get into it. Matt, what's been going on, bud? Hey, Jamie. Yeah, uh, not much. I just had to... Well, first off, thanks for having me. This is quite cool. No Normally, I'm on the other side of the mic, like, controlling the conversation. But, uh, so I'm, I'm a I was a little bit nervous, but yeah. usually we get into it. But I like what you're doing, because you're sharing, like, mountain bikers can sometimes be a bit whingy, and I think sometimes that comes out in podcasts a little bit. And you're kind of going the opposite direction, just trying to share the positive stuff. Yeah. And or bring out the positive in everyone is what you're trying to do. And I like that. That's cool. It's a good listen. Yeah, because riding bikes is meant to be fun. So Yeah, well, that's why we do it. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, nice. Um, and so, Matt, where are you originally from? Well, I'm from a little town in the U.S. called Nazareth, Pennsylvania. It's right next to Bethlehem. Mm -hmm. So... You know, if you ever read anything in the Bible, you'll know that, yeah, Nazareth and Bethlehem are two peas in a pod. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what the town's called. And yeah, cool and place, little town. <laughs> you've grown up with bikes, haven't you? Yeah. Well, I was like born in a bike shop. Yeah. Like, quite literally, mm -hmm. like born in the back of a bike shop because my grandfather started, he was a shoe salesman. In yeah. like, well, this guess this would be been like after the war, World War Two. You know, he's selling shoes, and then there was a bike boom in the seventies. So he's like, well, I'm going to bring in some Schwins and sell those. So he started a bike shop. Then named it after my dad, called it Kurt Cyclery. My dad took it over, and then the shop moved to the house that my parents lived in. So the the shop was in the front of the house, and things were tough going back then. Yeah. with bikes because you know he sold a bike for like a hundred dollars no one wanted to pay for repairs like it was bare bones mm -hmm. but yeah my dad took it over and I, I guess i was third generation and in the bike shop but i i kind of left my dad's like nah get out of here get you don't want to do this and <laughs> look where you are now yeah now now we're in rotorua so <laughs> I, I couldn't escape bikes like it was yeah i mean bikes have given me everything mm -hmm. so yep. Yeah, but that that's where it all started is is in the bike shop. Yeah, nice. Yeah. That's cool. And like how the heck did you end up in New Zealand? 
Um, well, I was doing the whole like racing thing. Mm -hmm. I thought I was gonna make my life as an XC racer, but I made like I had no idea what I was doing. I wasn't and, like it was a bit of a well, it was definitely a pipe dream mm -hmm. for sure. But you know, I worked hard and got to I got like chronically overtraining syndrome is what I developed at a certain point. And it got me more interested in exercise science. Mm -hmm. And I, it turned out I was pretty good at science. So yeah. I waited, like I went to uni pretty late in my life, but I was pretty good at it. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll do a master's. And I, the whole time I was like researching mountain biking. And then I referenced this paper out of Palmerston North, New Zealand, Massey University. Mm -hmm. And I just emailed the, the lead author, like the most senior guy. And they offered me a job like teaching at the university in Palmerston North. And they're like, you can come here. You can come here and do a PhD in mountain biking. Because they were studying like, like these were the guys that basically made it, made 29ers cool. They like proved that 29ers were faster. So this oh, would yeah. have been like early 2010s kind of thing when no one actually knew. So it was yeah. like a great crew to study with. And they gave me free reign to do anything I wanted in mountain biking. And it evolved pretty quick, but we we did some badass stuff like studying vibrations, like uh, vi vibration exposure, which was like a huge thing in mountain biking because you're just like getting pummeled all the time. Yeah. So I studied that at first, and then we looked at pacing on downhills, and that's kind of what led to to where I'm now. But yeah, I lived there in New uh, Palmerston North for like eight years. Yeah. Seven or eight years before moving to Rotorua. Nice. And what did you actually end up doing your PhD in? Well, it was pretty cool. Like we were trying to study, like one of the things I wanted to do, like I, I love power meters, mm -hmm. love power meters because like, you can measure, because like, the other thing I do is like I coach athletes and most of them I don't see. Yeah. Like some of them I never met, which is yeah. pretty cool. But like I look at their power meter data online and it, I can power meter heart rate, um, elevation, those kind of things. I feel like I was there on the ride with them. Yeah. So one of the things I wanted to do is I was interested in pacing, especially on downhills. And I wanted to like model the perfect performance based on a power meter. Yeah. So we were like collecting some data for that in an XC race. And I was racing against my supervisor, Steve Stannard, who's like a wicked roadie. He was like a pro roadie in the days that everyone was like taking drugs. So like they were pinned, you know? Yeah. And I don't know Just if he ever pushing, did, but... pushing the limits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just absolutely pinned. So he's a fantastic road rider still. But we end, and he's way fitter than me, mm -hmm. way fitter. But I found myself racing against him in this XC race at Foxton Beach, which yeah. for New Zealanders, you know, like, wait, there's mountain bike trails there. But like, they're the sickest sandy flat corners like you'll ever ride. They are sick. And it's yeah. only in winter that we race there. So the dirt is just prime. Mm -hmm. But I could hear his brakes. Like he was just braking in every corner. And somehow I was keeping up with him. And I knew I, like the reason I was keeping up with him that I wasn't touching my brakes on any of these corners. So he was just wasting all his energy. So the next week, went back into the office. I'm like, Steve, we got to measure braking. We got to like figure out a way to do this. And next thing you know, we built this little brake power meter. And I did my whole PhD, well, the rest of it anyway, on braking in mountain biking. So that, yeah. That was, that was cool. Yeah, nice. Yeah. It's it's really interesting, eh? Like I because with teaching mountain biking, I'm always talking about brakes being your accelerator. Like the better you are yeah. at braking, 
then you can use them for a shorter amount of time over a smaller distance. So you can really pick and choose the sweet spots where you've got some grip. And then all of that time you're off the brakes, you're accelerating and you're relaxed and life is way easier. When you're on the brakes, everything is hard. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy. Was there any studies done before yours on braking? Nah, there was literally nothing. Like, it, which is crazy. And the more we got into it, so like that would have been like 20, 2014, we started building the first prototype, which mm -hmm. like there's photos online. It looks stupid. It was yeah. like five kgs wired into this box. And I had to like pull an SD card out every time, run every uh, file through MATLAB just to be able to like look at these basic graphs that we developed. Yeah. But no one was looking at braking. And the crazy thing is like even, even to this day, well, it's changed like in the last couple months, but most manufacturers also didn't know much about braking, like what was actually happening out in the field. Because, mm -hmm. like, for example, with the rear brake, like most riders use the rear brake way more. Yeah. And there was this stupid little um, fashion where, like, you, you put the bigger rotor on the front. It's like, well, what's the point? Like, everyone's using the rear brake more. So it's pretty cool because I, you know, I guess, like, I like to think we had something to do with that change because now we're seeing bikes, they're definitely stocked with same size rotors. Um, and whether or not we affected any change in that, I, I don't know. But that was one of the things we found. And we told that to a lot of manufacturers, and they had no idea. Then there wasn't any. The problem is there was no thing that existed to be able to find this out. Yeah. And the reason that was is because the, the data was bloody confusing, Yeah. And which is what we found. It's like, well, okay, we can make sense of it. Uh, but it's not like looking at a power meter. It's a little bit more complex. We need we eventually made it more simple to look nice. at so this box like how big was this box that you were attaching to your brakes um well the we had a, a uni engineer like take this aluminum block and like grind them down it looked like maybe with like a dremel or something i don't know what he used so that was on each brake and it was basically like a two pieces of that slide and they were massive because we didn't know what forces we were going to see. Like, we how, estimated how, them. How massive, like, the okay. size of... Like, um, size the... Battery, the front, a drill battery, or...? The, the sensor was the size of my fist. Yeah. So, quite big. And it was housed in this massive, five times bigger housing that was attached to the fork, and the brake was on that. And then, the, that was front and rear, had that. And then, there was a box on the handlebars with a data logger inside and eight AA batteries that were rechargeable and like we used wood to kind of hold it all together inside the box and the yeah. box was probably the size of a laptop but thicker you know totally. so did, did even having all that stuff on your bike make a difference like could you notice the, the ride oh yeah it was it rode terribly yeah it like it was because it made a lot of noise too like yeah. it rattled yeah it was not nice and we I put really... a lot of there was this track in levin mm -hmm. it's called the edge track and it's literally on the edge of the road. Yeah. And the road there's pretty steep. So the track ends up going pretty fast. Yeah. And it gets a bit hairy and there's, you know, heavy compressions, heavy hits, corners. Man, it was scary to ride. And these big. On your handlebars. Yeah. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was not nice. But we got there in the end and it was pretty. We downsized, you know, eventually, but it took us five years to get there.
Yeah. Well, now the brake sensors that you have, the brake ace system, it's literally the mounting hardware for your brake plus like the top of your thumb. Like it's it's tiny. Yeah. Yeah, dude. That, and honestly, that's like a dream come true because mm -hmm. ever since the beginning, I was like, I want this to be small and wireless because mm -hmm. otherwise no one's going to use it. Mm -hmm. Like no one's going to use a dumb wired thing. Well, although we do see that at the World Cups and stuff, that's gonna it's it's gonna disappear. Basically, everything's gonna be wireless. But that was my dream. Is like I want this to be small and look dope. And so yeah, what we have now is is a dream come true. Absolutely. Yeah, nice. Because I've been running them on my bike. Uh, I don't know for the last few months now. Um, we've been out together, been out with other friends with it, and it's amazing how you get this really honest feedback there is no opinion whatsoever it's just like that is what you're doing riders who have done one percent front brake yeah 60 percent front brake um but you're like oh i thought i was using my brakes quite differently but you get this very clear picture of what you're actually doing which is a really nice place to start from when you're trying to improve something yeah you need to know what's happening now so that you can make any changes if you think it's you know necessary yeah so that's pretty cool yeah and the video you did was awesome like that was a great high well because that was the first time me being like skills coached having a mm -hmm. skills lesson yeah and you did a great video of like the session that we did using break ace and the break ace method and sessioning our key opportunities because it's it's more than just like like one of the things i look at a lot is like how much i'm on the bloody rear brake like yeah because i'm i'm generally like a 70 to 80 percent rear brake guy and I didn't used to be that way. Yeah, I, I used to be like more 50-50. But, and I, so I look at that one a lot, but obviously our key opportunities, we used the break ace method. I got faster and you got faster. Like that was sick. That, and you made a good video about it too. It was like entertaining. So, yeah, nice. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. That was a lot of fun to do. It's just, uh, <laughs> it's really nice to stop and session. I think we had this conversation where we were like, man, as adults we don't stop and session stuff as much because we just want to go out and ride 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 as much trail as we can more 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 and kids who are like 12 to i don't know teenagers you see them just hitting the same set of jumps for hours and then everyone is like oh man i wish well all the groms are doing such good jumps blah 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 we're really they're putting their time into doing the jumps so exactly if we put our time and then for most of of those key opportunities that you see from the brake case because brake case if you don't know if you're sitting there listening what are you guys talking about brake case is a combination of a brake sensor that sits on your bike and then an app that is on your phone and the sensor talks to your phone sends some pretty basic information and makes it um like pretty simple feedback but there's a lot of complex stuff that goes on inside the yeah. phone inside the app yeah yeah, yeah all, all kind of cloud-based calculations like you don't see it because the raw data is like not super useful mm -hmm. it's it's kind of it's actually a bit of a bummer that it's the raw data isn't super useful because with a power meter it is yeah it's like yeah you can look at that and get a like real good understanding of what hap what's happening but braking is incredibly complex which is what my phd was on is like okay how can we make this more simple yeah but it, yeah i wish it i wish the raw data was 
more useful. But like we end up calculating things like modulation intensity uh, and obviously the places where you can improve. And those like we had to make those calculations up, mm -hmm. uh, which that was that was the job, basically. Yeah, nice. Uh, back in the day. Yeah. And for like looking at most people's key opportunities, uh, they are on corners. Yeah, yeah so that's one thing that not every single corner you need to be breaking for, but there are times when you need to change direction and uh, on a corner, there's not always a burn that's going to hold you there. So it's about going in with confidence and on those steeper trails, using more rear brake makes more sense because you need to not go too fast as you go around corners. Um, and it's on the straights where you can let off, but then still you want that control of the, your front tire and not go too far. So that's where I think lots of that brake, back brake does come into play. And yeah. something else I want to say with the, you're like, oh man, I'm more of a back brake person. Do you reckon that's got anything to do with the fact that you've improved your back brake by putting, by setting up your bike differently? So a bigger rotor means that you're actually going to get better control of that rear brake? Do I don't know, actually. This, uh, I don't think so. But one of the things that I wonder, and because now I've been living in Rotorua since 2020, so three years. Yeah. Uh, I haven't really ridden anywhere else since I moved here because, well, I've ridden everywhere in New Zealand. This is easy because it's like right here, like two minute yeah. ride from the house. So like there's no admin involved with going. Like that's the best thing about Rotorua is like the access. Amazing. So mm -hmm. when I was breaking 50-50, I was mostly riding in Palmerston North. And the trails are like a lot different. Uh, they're well, they're heavy, heavily clay-based. Maybe not as steep. Uh, maybe not as fast. But maybe I've just gotten slower. I don't know because, but I don't think it has to do with setup. And setup's a really hard one to measure. But I'm not sure why I'm. Maybe I've maybe I've gotten slower. Like that's kind of what I've put it down to. Because generally, what we see is we and this is like not brake balance is like the hardest thing for us to understand at the moment because we, it's all over the show yep. some pros are 50 50 some pros are 80 20. some people are even like 60 percent front brake i think you even might have had a 60 percent front brake for yeah and i for me it really changes depending on the trail and the style yeah. of the trail so yep. i've been 80 20 uh 80 percent rear 20% front and I've been like 65% front, um, 35 rear. So yeah, I think it's more to do with the trail, the conditions as well, and just how you feel on the day. Like yeah, if you're feeling way more confident on something, then you're happier as to be on the front brake more of the time. You can put heaps of power through that front tire, but if you're not feeling super confident, then you do get a little bit more draggy and you you tend to favor the back brake because it's safer. It feels yeah. safer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's what's happening with me at the moment. But I, I did, uh, I have been yeah, trying to focus more on the front brake. But luckily all the scores and stuff aren't dependent on like brake balance because brake balance is tricky, but they're more dependent on braking overall and how fast you're going when you did that and those sorts of things. So... Yeah, brake balance. I like I lose sleep over brake balance. It's like, okay, what does this mean? 
So we're still still figuring it out. I've looked at thousands, thousands of people's breaking, mm-hmm. thousands of breaking files, you know? Yeah. Not sure. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, it's but it is just nice to know what you're doing. If you think that you're using lots of it, front breaker that is, and you're not, then it's nice to know that so that you can go ahead and practice yeah, using yeah. your front break. And if that's all that comes out of it, then that's awesome. Like that's a massive a massive difference and change in potentially your confidence that you wouldn't have known any time before. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So that adjusts your body position and all sorts of different things um, depending on which tire you're trying to wait to slow down. Yeah, well, that's basically what you kind of helped me to do in my key opportunities. It was like, like I was, I have this really bad habit from, because I'm from the days of, you know, like riding XC bikes, high post, 26 inch tires, 1.8 V brakes, mm-hmm. like you're off the back, you know? Yeah. And that's a, you, you know, 70 degree head angles, like bikes were terrible. Do you so remember like, what your first bike was? Um yeah i do well my first like proper mountain bike well i had like you know the 24 inch stuff as i was growing Mm because it took me forever to grow anyway well i'm still waiting for my growth spurt so (laughs) eventually (laughs) and uh well my first like proper mountain bike that i ended up buying with my own money was a giant rainier in the year 2000 yeah um with that, the yeah. So with disc brakes, I had had a Marzocchi bomber on it, eighty mil travel. Yeah, uh, Avid BB sevens, which are they're like their wire pull uh, disc brakes. Yeah, Pin Racer Fire XC Pros, which pretty much everyone rode back then. Tubes, it, nice, nice. It's terrible. <laughs> and so that did that bike or that style of bike have an influence on your riding style? Definitely, like. Uh, like there's no staying centered when you have a 71 degree head angle yeah, and a high post like and short legs like because um, the cranks are so long mm-hmm. when you have short legs so like if you have if your legs aren't even and you have one foot down you're further down your butt's closer to the seat when you yeah. can't put your seat down and uh, yeah so you're off the back like off the back seat a lot and yeah I think a lot of people XC like People that come from the old school XC days, they struggle with that. Mm-hmm. Like really poor body position to adapt it to like new school bikes. Yeah. So yeah, that that's me for sure. <laughs> yeah. And it's not just you. Like I see yeah. people who have been riding 20 plus years and they're coming for a lesson just to be like, okay, I need, I know I've got bad habits. Let's try and see if we can work these out so that I can relax more. Yeah. Exactly. Why my buddies who are just starting now progressing and getting better than me yeah i, I always still, wonder that i'm still stuck in the past yeah i always wonder like because mountain biking's much more accessible now than it was well maybe yeah it's more accessible but it's also much cooler <laughs> like yeah when i started mountain biking like man i was black sheep uh like there was basically two people in my school that rode they're my best friends and we would like ride and it was uncool like maybe it's because I shaved my legs. I was fourteen. I don't know. Like maybe that's something to do with it. Like we didn't create a good image. Yeah. I suppose. But now it's so cool, and people are coming into it, and they have like a couple of years riding experience, and they're just ripping. And it's like, man, good on you. <laughs> like I've been doing this for a long time, and um, yeah, you're fast, and you're right there, and 
uh, bikes are just bikes are are easy to ride. Like they're easy to ride fast, mm-hmm. I guess. But also, you develop good habits straight away because the bike lends you towards that. It looks after you pretty well, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's your style of riding now? Mm, style of riding. Um, <laughs> just a mountain biker, man. I don't know. Yeah. I I love a good road ride, to be honest. Yeah. But when I moved to Rotorua, I sold my road bike. I brought it here and I was like, nah, I'm not going to ride it. And I, I just miss it so much because I love riding on the road. Yeah. So I have a, a mountain bike now that's kind of my road bike. But got to get into gravel, I suppose. But yeah, I guess my style of riding is I, I generally like, um, I come from tr- the, the trails in the East Coast US are pure rock. Yeah. Like these are some of the oldest mountains in the world. So they're not steep. They've just crumbled over millions and millions of years. Yeah. So there's like no soil. It's just rock. So, and like no, like real shallow gradients. So you're like basically pumping over, pumping through rock gardens all day is basically what you're doing and ratcheting through, which mm-hmm. man, there, there's nothing like that. I don't think in New Zealand at all. It's just like maybe the bottom of Rocky Horror. Cause I, I watched your, um, they have the new Rocky Horror video. I yeah. watched your trail preview. I was like, oh man, the bottom of that looks like trails back home, which I think I, is more like the original uh, Rocky Horror anyway. That was part of the original Rocky yeah. Horror, yeah. 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 Well, I have to go check it out because I love that kind of riding. And that's so that's generally, that was always the stuff that I felt much more comfortable on is like chunky jank and like, uh, yeah, just picking lines like pretty slowly. The froth that like uh but now like i go home to visit the fam and i'm like man these bloody rocks are hard to ride <laughs> getting yeah. flats every time and things like that mm-hmm. but i still like a good value trail uh like good bang for buck you mean like yeah good bang for buck like my favorite track in the forest would be, have to be box of birds mm-hmm. so it's like not only is it like pretty much dump me out like right by the house but it's like it's got everything it's got turns i don't know i don't know to me it's just that's just that is pure mountain biking and like the trail takes a while so i also take the easier line which is called Mm -hmm. uh, fluffy ducks which gets a bad reputation i think i don't know if it's an easier line these days like it well it's not as steep but it's got some quite tight turns like it's still pretty techy yeah yeah and you still get some chunk in the top but it's got some yeah some good flat corners, some yeah. good oh, sharp switchbacks, yeah. um, some cool traverses. Whereas the other one, yeah, it is, it's over and done really quickly. Yeah, and that's like, that's a bummer because mm-hmm. like you want, I want to ride downhills as long as possible. Yeah. And if it's over, like going down the steep ones, I'm like, oh man, I got to like climb up again. So I, I actually really, my favorite thing to do is to ride like the shallow gradient. I don't know, like grade three, four, five kind of trails. Yeah. on an XC tire that is like my favorite way to get around the forest because I actually did some testing and like it's just as fast with the XC tire as my trail bike yeah um break a little bit more because you just like pick up speed so fast with the yeah. XC tires but you can get up the hills a lot more quickly mm-hmm. so I like that I I guess maybe if I had an e-bike I would maybe be more likely to take the straighter lines down the trail which i do them once in a while but yeah my favorite way to get around is to ride the xc tires on like a trail bike yeah 
or a short travel trail bike. Yeah, love it. Absolutely what, love what it. What bikes have you got at the moment? Um, right now, I've always been a big giant guy. Like they really helped me out when I was in the states a lot. Yeah. Um, even when I came to New Zealand, like they were super awesome, and I just kind of like held on to them. Mm -hmm. So I have a giant rain. Uh, that's my like big bike, I guess. And yep. then I have a giant trance, which is probably my favorite bike ever because yep. it just handles so sick. It's old, so it's a little bit embarrassing to ride because I'm like, man, this thing's from 2019. Eh, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it rides sick. Mostly yep. mostly uh, May rides and my partner. But mm -hmm. um, I rode it the other day. I was like, man, love this thing. Yeah, Absolutely nice. love it. Yeah, because it was that, that period just before like 2015 through 2018, 19, where bikes were just changing all the time. Geometry was changing, the length was changing, um, all sorts, yeah. They all were sorts terrible. Of changes. And that then was... all of a sudden they just got to this point where now everyone's making amazing bikes. You can't really go wrong, but some are just, just tended towards a different style of riding. Whereas yeah. pre-2015, it was like you're either on a bike that you could pedal or you weren't. Mm. And then they were trying to mix them, but it was like, yeah. They handled so bad. Like yeah. even as of, because um, I had a giant, the worst bike giant ever made was that Trance 27.5. Had like the world's tall, well, maybe even the Trance 29. Nah, Trance 29 was pretty good. I raced that in like the first year of EWS. A Trance 29 was like 120 mils. I did top of the world trail on that. I had to like pull over because my hands were so sore. Um, but that that bike was okay. But this was the time when bottom brackets were still quite high, yeah. and like head angles were steep. So we had like sixty-seven degree head angle kind of thing, and a bottom bracket that was that just made it really hard to turn. It's like you couldn't. Bikes were really just difficult to handle, even uphill. They were hard to handle. Took a lot of upper body work. That 27.5 tr giant trance was not much better, but some people rode it pretty fast. I just, it just kind of never agreed with me. Yeah. I oh, know, all good. So, yeah, what do you reckon of, you've ridden all over the world. What do you think of the trails here in Rotorua, place you now call home? But, yeah. What do you, what, how do you rate here compared to other places? Uh, this is, well, you can't beat Rotorua. This is why I moved here because of mountain biking. Mm hmm. Like actually, the the trails in Palmerston North were sick, except come winter they're pretty hard to ride. And yeah. like if you ever been Dating. there, yes, <laughs> they're like because it's clay. Like yeah. it is pure clay up there. So, and like in the dry, it's good. But the problem up there is it's never dry. So they have a great network, and like obviously, it's good fun to ride those trails too. So. But I just like I've been riding for a really long time, and for me to get out in the rain is kind of like, eh, I gotta clean my bike. I'm like, oh, there's a bit of work to clean the bike, you know. So I like uh, I moved here because you can ride all year. Mm -hmm. The dirt's always sick. Yeah, and it, it drains super fast. So like, there's a bit of, like rainforest here, but you can ride the the day of or during the rain or the day after the rain and it's going to be pretty mint so i was like yeah well good community here like obviously crankworks is in rotorua mm -hmm. good infrastructure and like the most amazing thing to me and this is incredibly important for me anywhere i live is if like if i for some reason leave here 
I need to have really good access to trails, which is what we have. Like, I don't even own a bike rack anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I can ride to trails. I'm there in two minutes at the start of the climb, yeah. which is insane. So, like, that to me is really good. And, like, Whistler had some really good access as well. Yeah. And, like, Squamish obviously had really good access. So access is super important to me because even the trails I grew up riding, they were a mile from home. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, I'm on trails in no time, Yeah, which is really good because um, sometimes it's hard to like make the, to find the time to get out and ride when you're super busy. So having that good access, like being able to ride whenever you want. Yeah. Like this, this is hands down. Like I can't imagine it being better. Then Rotorua. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, so that's why. Yeah, nice. that's why I'm here. Yeah, it's good. That's yeah. good. Uh, and so, talked a little bit about improving your riding. Like, did you develop Breakace personally, or were you just like, man, what are people doing breaking? Because, like, your sports science background, you like science. Why? Why did you? Why did you decide? Um, I'm going to actually push this and now it's a massive part of your life. You're a small business owner like myself and we all know that you have to work really hard, do all of the jobs because no one else is going to do them. So why push it so hard that you're um, going for production? Well, I guess it's like a curse, you know, like in a way I didn't have a choice. Right. And this is like, so this is my, my curse that I have to bear is like, I couldn't see a world where breaking sensors didn't exist. Yeah. Like, I still don't see it. So mm -hmm. like, it, it's, I, it's not possible. Like there, there isn't a world in the future where we don't understand and try and improve breaking. Yeah. And where we were at at the time is, uh, well, I got made redundant at my position at the university. I was there for five or six years. Okay. I got made redundant, which was a bit of a stink, but like they paid me out pretty good. Like good enough that I had could cover my living expenses for six, I think it was nine months actually. Yeah. And I was like trying to figure out what to do. I was like, I didn't want to leave New Zealand. There wasn't, I didn't want to take another university job. Yeah. I could still see like something happening with this breaking thing. So I got offered a job in France at a university there. And I was like, yeah, well, I guess like my days with the breaking stuff are over. And this would have been like 20, 2019, maybe. Mm -hmm. Start of 2019. And like, I was just torn because I thought, well, if I don't focus 100% on this breaking stuff now, someone else is going to do it in five years' time. So I felt like I didn't, I felt like I had to. Like it was my calling yep. to like focus on breaking. So I had uh, some, fortunately, like we had done a lot of the legwork at that point at the uni and we had made some really good contacts in, in the industry because I was traveling to all the trade shows. Yeah. And, uh, I was working with uh, my friend Rolf out of Denmark and he ended up developing some ABS testing sensors for another company. 
brake yeah. sensors. And I was able to get a hold of some of those. So these were tinier, easier to use, and really opened up a lot of access for me to do some more testing. Mm-hmm. So all right, I'm like, okay, I look. I got no job now. I can do pretty much whatever I want. I'm just going to go all in on this braking. So I invested everything I had into kind of getting started with that. We were using data loggers uh, with wired sensors. And yeah, it it was pretty good. Ended up meeting uh, Mac, who's now part of the company. He approached me. He wanted to do an internship in mountain biking. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I got these new sensors. I'm trying to do some more things with it. Like, I think what we should do is make the data real easy to understand. So he's like, he came on board as an intern and he had never done any computer programming. I was like trying to learn it. And he became basically a whiz at Python is what we were using. We were like doing everything in Python. And I I had this idea is like, well, okay, talk to this guy, Nigel from ShockWiz guy that invented ShockWiz, I had a call yeah. with him and he's like, well, what you need to do is make data. You need to tell people what to do. So we basically set that off on that path for a good year. Yeah. It's like, okay, let's make it real easy to use. Uh, so that was, you know, the rest of 2019. Mac ended up going to get a job, I think. And we kind of hit this point where like no one's going to run want to run a Python script with a wired sensor. So like we need to keep we need to keep going. So I hired um, a software engineer to make a web app. And that was our first like kind of proof concept where you could drag and drop a file into it and it would do all this analysis that we had built. Yeah. And that was kind of what set it off is so 2020 got the web app finished, um, started selling the wired sensors, but it was mostly just companies buying those. Because uh, they're a real pain to use, and you know they needed they needed them anyway, so they needed some test stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. So that was that was kind of the impetus. I ended up doing some testing with our friend Jeff, Jeff Carter. Uh, I spent three days with him running this wired sensor with the web app. It was so slow. I remember Jeff like <laughs> I could see it in his face how he was getting so bored waiting for this to load. Because it was so yeah. slow, we were sitting in like my friend's house, and like, uh, yeah, it was it was slow internet. It was it was bad. But Jeff was like, "You should really do a Kickstarter." And I was really getting to the point where I was like, "Well, I need to either quit this and get a real job, or see if someone's real like willing to buy it." Because no one's going to buy this wired one. We have to make it wireless. Yeah. Did the Kickstarter in 2020? That was successful. And then ended up finding another partner uh, for the business, Rowan. Rowan had worked on the ShockWiz. He worked on like heaps of crazy things for Motorola, mm-hmm. uh, all kinds of things in sports tech. So, yeah, then we we built it. And like, yeah, I, I still like, like, I funded a lot of it personally, yeah. which was a huge stretch. Like, luckily, we had... Um, the Kickstarter funding, which like gave us, obviously it's like, well, yeah, people are interested, so let, let's do it. But yeah, it was, um, it's continues to be like a huge ask, like financially, but I believe in it so much that I'm not going to play, do something else. And like, I believe like there's nothing else I would want to do Yeah. as well. So it's like, yeah, this, this is it. Let's, let's keep going. So 
that's nice. that's where we are today i guess yeah that's, that's the cool. gist of it yeah the world needs to know what they're doing with their breaking and you know yeah. how to make that happen yeah yeah well it's a piece of the puzzle right because <laughs> totally it's, it's a suspension. huge piece of the puzzle yeah and it's like there's more to it like body position obviously and yeah lots of other things but it's it's a piece of the puzzle that is going to exist yeah so yeah yeah and generally the better people get at riding the more brakes that they want like they buy stronger brakes more powerful brakes and yeah. it's like okay well what am i actually doing with my braking because that's another way that you can squeeze as much as you can out of them is seeing where you are doing it seeing where you're doing it too much seeing where you're just dragging them and potentially losing speed yeah well and making the bike work way too hard yeah if you want to get faster like the answer isn't buying the next model up you know Mm -hmm. and i think it's such like first off like the next model up is always pretty dope you know so it's an easy draw card yeah and this the sale on that stuff is like well it's 12 percent stiffer 14 percent lighter kind of thing it's like well yeah, well that doesn't make you faster like if if you want to ride better it's it like once your bike's set up and you have like a decent bike it's down to you mm-hmm. so you can't like always just like upgrade the bike upgrade the bike and expect it to do better i don't really get get off so much on like the flashy new models anymore maybe it's like me becoming more mature like I used to get the newest the newest model every year. Yeah. I had like pretty much easier access to it then. But like now I'm like my bucks are a couple of years old. I I love them. <laughs> I got I can't imagine them riding any better. Yeah. So I know like the rest of it's down to me. And like I got my suspension professionally tuned set up with using that acquisition mm-hmm. with a friend Jono uh in town and like my my bike literally can't get any better. So it's down to me now. Yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah. And so, when you every time you go out for a ride, are you starting? Are you recording it on your app on the oh, yeah. app? Oh yeah. 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 Uh, do you always look at the data, or do you just sometimes look at the data? I uh, I don't look at everything every time, but I look at it every time. Yeah. First off, I need to I need to be able to catch any bugs, so I'm always like that's part of the job, which is quite cool. Like, yeah. need to head for a ride today. Whoops. You know. Uh, luckily, yeah. it's a mint day. And like just, you know, everything's working. Yep, sweet. Um, but yeah, I do like the weekend obviously wasn't working, but I recorded every ride I did. And I just have a quick look because the dash, like the homepage shows like your kind some kind of general stuff, like your flow score and some of the interesting things. And I just have a quick browse, quick yeah. browse of those. And I look for trends. And this is exactly what I do with athletes too, is like, this is what I recommend for, any athlete like trying to get fitter is like you got to record it to be able to notice a trend mm-hmm. because changes happen like really slowly over time yeah so especially well fitness and bike handling whatever you want to call it bike skills those things like they change really slowly so with power meters i'm like yeah you need to record every ride just so we can notice a trend yeah. and it becomes handy like looking back like it might not be handy today mm-hmm. but it will probably be handy in two years. Um, I was talk on the phone last night to a racer I work with who's doing uh, the XC World Cups, coming back mm-hmm. from injury. We're kind of trying to plan for the next. He's going to miss Worlds, but we're trying to plan for the next 
few World Cups at the end of the end of the year. There's like four more races. Yeah. And we like we got years of data. Like mm-hmm. I've been working with him since like 2015 or something like that. And he's been using a power meter like every day for yeah. eight years. So it's cool because we can see all these trends of how he's changed. And the same's true for braking. So I can notice these trends for myself. Um yeah, so, and it only comes from recording yeah. every ride. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, nice. That flow score is pretty cool. So I find this brake ace thing extremely interesting. Um, but the flow score, it's, it's kind of like if you feel like you're flowing down a trail, you have a lower flow score. I remember when I first started recording rides, I was like, what the hell is this thing? Like, how does it work? Is it out of 100? Is it a percentage? How do I... Um, you know, like, how do I judge whether that was a good flow score or not? And it's literally, like, the, the nicest way to look at it is just comparing it with your own flow scores over time. And you can go back and look at that trail and be like, oh, yeah, on that day, my flow score was 78. And then today, it's 79. You're like, oh, that's that's my <laughs> jam. Or it's yeah. 100 and something. You're like, oh, yeah, I yeah. didn't feel very good. It was pretty wet. Um, I was operating off not much sleep, so it's quite, yeah, I, I like it. I, I'm not sure how you calculate it. That's the black magic within the, within the app, but it's, it's pretty cool just to see, and you can compare it with other people who have ridden that same trail as well and see what their flow score is. But I think it's quite a personal thing. What do you reckon? Yeah. Well, yeah, that is my favorite score too, is, um, cause we compared ourselves to each other. That day we're doing all the sessioning, which was really cool. Um, it, yeah, it is. A li- it's more like I think of it as like penalty points, where it goes up. Like every yep. time you touch the brakes, based on how hard you were braking and how long you're braking, it goes up. So if you didn't break it all, it'd be zero. I don't know about the name. Like I'm not married to the name. Yeah. Because I, uh, I don't know. What do you think? Should we should we change the name? We're like a bit of a democracy here, we're trying to. Uh, it's almost like a handicap, hey, that reminds me of golf. So the higher oh, yeah. score, the higher your handicap. Yeah. Yeah, and okay. Really what you're aiming for is the lowest score. And if you don't have bad braking, then you would have a zero. Or if you don't touch the brakes, you would have a zero. You'd have yeah, no braking the... events and that would not stack up at all. True. The problem is we don't want to ever encourage anyone to not brake because that's definitely not what it's about. And, and it I doesn't think... work. Yeah. <laughs> don't try it but no like, if you do it's not gonna work it doesn't work what, what yeah yeah one of the main things that we worked out and we, didn't, we already knew this but it's easy to fall into traps and be like oh yeah if i don't touch the brakes i'm gonna go faster but it's more knowing where you want to break and identifying the key spots that are going to set you up best for the section that's about to happen yeah that is how you break less it's thinking about breaking more then has the result of you actually being more efficient and therefore braking less instead of just being like, nah, just don't touch the brakes. Yeah. Stop being a pussy. Yeah. The coward levers. That, that's not it at all. If you are using yeah. your brakes hard, then you are probably riding pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. They're, so. they're, they're like, it's, it's your way to control your bike. So you totally. need them mm-hmm. and like, you need dope brakes too. Like yeah. I'm all about having good, clean, properly bedded brakes and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Man, um, any uh, last words on how to use your amazing uh, 
actionable feedback to help improve the writing or anything you do personally that um, you reckon improves your writing? Anything I Any do that tips out there for anyone who's listening? You know, so there's a tip someone gave me. It's like ride different trails. Mm-hmm. It's like, damn, that's a good tip. Because yep. I, I get stuck in, in a rut. It's like I always ride the same trails. Yep. Do yeah, you kind of get loop. your own circuit, hey? You know, yeah. I'll do this loop. It, it fits this time, and I enjoy it. But to add add new stuff. Yeah, like ride 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 the trails that you ride differently, right? Like try something different mm-hmm. or ride different trails. Maybe that would be my tip for myself, and that's probably a good one for everyone else as well. It's like, yeah, ride, ride different trails or ride your trails differently. Yeah. Riding with new people can sometimes do that. Yeah. Yeah, because you're like, follow them, you see their line, they follow you. Sorry, they follow you, they see your line, you follow them, you see their line, you go their speed as well, so your speed's quite often quite differently. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, that's the other thing is like, I think there's a lot of benefit to be had from riding behind someone slower. Yep. Like a lot. It's you hard. Can, yeah, it's hard. It's actually and, quite hard because you're not going your own speed. Yeah. So the things that you would normally calculate when you're out riding by yourself, it doesn't work because you're not going the same speed. Yeah. Yeah. But it yep. opens a whole bunch of other stuff out. Yeah. Yep. Different lines. Um, you can try riding with your other foot forward, which you know that's always a bit of a laugh you know mm-hmm. yeah you can try different things like riding with someone slower everyone always wants to be like super pinned i think like you have riding with someone slower and behind them you can you can learn a lot like about well maybe what not to do right which is a good yeah. great lesson yeah because you might be doing the same thing they're doing and you then you see it in action you're like well oh, i should probably do something different mm-hmm. You can have some good aha moments. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Nice one. All right. Well, should we wrap it up? Yeah, sounds good. Awesome. Thanks heaps for coming along, Matt. Uh, be sure to check out the Breakace website and Breakace on Insta. Um, Matt's YouTube channel as well, which is MTB PhD. He's got some really interesting stuff on there, which is not just to do with breaking. Is it mainly to do with breaking? No, it's almost like mostly to do without, like not to do with braking, actually. Yeah, which is quite cool. And then there's some pretty cool stuff on brakes and rotors and all of that side of things. Um, he also does another podcast or two. Yeah, so, are we allowed to? Are we allowed to plug pods? Oh yeah, pod? plug it. <laughs> so demystifying MTB. That's the one that I listen to, and. Matt actually had me on, and that was the whole basis of me starting this. He encouraged me to, you know, <laughs> bro, you should do a podcast. I'm like, ah, no one wants to listen to that. But yeah, it's, here you are. I, I like getting the guests on. I, th- I think that everyone likes to listen to who I have on because there's a lot of interesting people out there. And what's your other one, Matt? The, one? Uh, the other one's Performance Advantage Podcast. That's more like science. So if you're, if you're like a runner, yeah, because uh, the my co-host will. Dr. Will O'Connor, he's a ultra runner. Yep. So we we kind of like blend running science and cycling science with a bit of mountain biking thrown in too. Mm-hmm. So that one's definitely like science focused. Yeah. 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 So it's interesting stuff. Um, and the best way that you can support us 
this whole um, like Matt's venture Braycase is just go check it out. Get yourself a Braycase, a couple of Braycase sensors. And a good way I reckon to do it would be get a little group of you and like your riding buddies, buy a set, and then you can have turns with your set because you learn from other people's riding as well. Um, or if you're flush for cash, get your own set because you will not regret it. Yep. Um, you're, you agree? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Every single little riding posse had their own set of braces. Man, you would yeah. learn a lot. I reckon, like, I reckon it'll change the sport once, like, they're on even more bikes. So, absolutely, like, yeah. be ahead of the game. Yeah. yeah, get two sets so that you can always be comparing with someone. Yeah, makes yeah, it more fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and to support us, support me doing this podcast. Um, come riding, come riding with me and. Uh, the crew in Rotorua. Uh, we run some pretty epic trips, uh, everything from enduro riding to scenic, intermediate. Um, we do lessons from real beginner through to advanced. And yeah, follow this podcast. Share it with your mates. Uh, if you think that they like to hear about mountain biking, it's all good. New episode comes out about once every week or two. And let us know down the bottom in the Q&A whether you... Uh, want to hear about something new or hear from someone yeah definitely let us know check out our website newzealandmountainbiking.com and check out the trails that we have here in Rotorua by either coming and just riding them or going to our youtube channel new zealand mountain biking search it up cool matt thank you heaps for coming thanks for having me jamie good Talk fun